I'm Christopher Leiden in Lahore, learning about my favorite modern writer from this part of the world, Sadat Hassan Manto. This is part two of our conversation with Manto's great-grandniece and biographer, the historian Aisha Jalal. This is Open Source with the ninth in an audio series we're calling Another Pakistan in this midsummer of 2011, a South Asian conversation with American curiosity. It's a co-production of the Watson Institute at Brown University and the Asia Society. I should allow, we came to Lahore as much as anything to walk on Manto's ground. Sadat Hassan Manto, great story writer, more than 50 years dead, but among other things, the great chronicler in fiction of partition. Next year will be his centennial, and you're writing a book about him. I want to know everything about him. <laughs> yes, well, uh, where do I begin? <laughs> <laughs> Don't begin with his most famous story. We'll come to that, about the birth of Pakistan in a lunatic asylum. But talk about the man. He is your what? Great He's uncle. my he's my great granduncle. Salman Rushdie says he's the most important influence on him. He was a maybe the greatest prose stylist in Urdu. Um, a man I've come to rely on in so many ways, but most of us don't know. And I, a year ago, I couldn't have told you who he was. Well, I mean, uh, as I said, I'm writing a book on him uh, to coincide with his centenary birth centenary next year. I mean, people know him primarily as uh, as a short story writer. They know him primarily as a partition writer. Uh, but Manto was much more than that. Manto wrote in different genres, uh, and each of those genres are valuable in their own right. Uh, he was um, he wrote personality sketches, uh, which are extremely memorable. Uh, he wrote uh, some very very important essays. Uh, so in many ways, he was. Um, a, a social critic as well. And that aspect is not necessarily as well understood because uh, while he... I mean, he's primarily remembered for his fiction, uh, but his nonfiction is equally important. And so uh, he was basically a rebel. I mean, he, um, he, uh, his primary sort of interest in, uh, uh, in, in, in life was to be able to expose. He, he disliked deception. He wanted to bring... He wanted society to see in his writings, its own face. Uh, he found it shocking that the, the filth that society turned its nose up against was really the filth that really came out of society. So he found that very hypocritical. Prostitution, for instance. I mean, he says, right. Who are, why are the prostitutes being treated like this when they are um, servicing a need in society? Why are you not facing that? Hmm. Criminal, criminality, he always maintained that criminals are not born... Uh, I mean, they're not habitual criminals. They become criminals. Society is responsible. Uh, These are external factors. So he was, I mean, at one level, he was an enormously optimistic writer. He he had an optimism about humanity. One of the most remarkable things about his partition stories is precisely that in all the mayhem, in all the uh, horrors of partition, he managed to still find some humanity in even the most lowly elements. Mm. So that, I think, is something that's extremely important to realize, that through it all, he, he, I mean, through, through the ugliness, he found beauty. Uh, and through the beauty, he wanted to also show the other side, that they're both things that, that, ha- that happen. There is also ugliness. And above all, there's a kind of absurdity. 
his picture of Pakistan in, say, 1950 is a country that's been founded in a sort of madness and horror and killing and waste and tribalism sort of reinforced by militarism and bureaucracy, too. I mean, maybe we should just talk about that classic story that everybody cites. His most famous story is set at the birth of the nation in an insane asylum where the authorities are separating. Of course, the Hindu lunatics have to go someplace different from the Muslim lunatics. And one very determined old man, or madman, decides that he is not going anywhere for anybody. Hmm. Well, I think what he's trying to show is that the madness outside is greater than the madness within the asylum. That's one mm. of his major sort of uh, uh, efforts. And because he cannot understand why India is partitioned. He cannot understand the logic of it. Uh, but I think the, that while the world understands that aspect of Mantra, what they do not understand is the fact that he also then came to accept the fact and reality of partition. Mm. Uh, I mean, he wasn't one of those people who remain. He was not a, 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 a magical realist of the sort that Salman right. Rushdie would want to is. Um, he was a realist writer, so right. he accepted. Uh, and I, I also think that while Toba Tek Singh is a terrific story and it's wonderful, I think there are many other stories that he wrote that are perhaps greater. I'd love to hear your your um, top ten. Uh, well, I mean, I think his uh, Thanda Ghosh, uh, Colder Than Ice, is by far the best. Uh, cold, though, translated as The Return. Um, there's uh, one called Yazid, uh, which is about the river waters between India and Pakistan. So mm. there, are many, there are many stories. R- remind uh, me of The Return. The Return is uh, about, uh, the, about Sirajuddin, this Muslim man looking for his lost daughter. And he eventually... Oh, yes. That yes, is just yes. an absolutely classic story. So there are many, many of those kinds. Uh, so the, the point, of course, is that he is constantly reminding you. I mean, if you, look, if you read Colder Than Ice, translated as... I mean, it's Thanda Ghosh, which literally translates as cold flesh. It's about this man Ishwar Singh and what, how, what he goes through when he discovers that the girl whose parents he had killed had died of fright, and he had intended to sort of rape her, but it's already too late. He discovers mm. that she's already dead. So those kinds of psycho... I mean, he, I mean he, his ability to weave in psychoanalysis with human behavior, very, very insightful. And incredibly dark. You mentioned The Return. That's a story of a man who's lost his daughter in the madness of migration, and he sees a group of young boys who say they'll find her. That's right. And they rape her too, and they happen to be Muslim. So what he's showing you there is that, you know, much of partition violence is attributed to religious uh, communitarianism, religious mm. sort of hatred. But he shows that it's simply an opportunity for whoever. Uh, I, mean, right. I mean, whoever's weak will be taken advantage of. And so these Muslim boys take advantage of this poor woman. Uh, who they're supposedly helping look for. And they were the great hope. It reminds me of another story called, uh, in translation, It Happened in 1919. That's right, that's right. But Amrit a similar right. theme that's of right. a man who... That's Thalia the Pimp. That, I mean, that's basically, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah. A man uh, does the heroic thing uh, fighting against the Brits. He dies. His sisters are then invited to that's right. the British Officers Club, in effect. And the man who's telling the story wants to say at first that that they spat in the faces of the Brits. Right. But, of course, the manto in the story says, I, I, I don't believe your ending. And he confesses, no, that wasn't the way it ended. It was much worse than that. And that they betrayed hmm. the memory of the brother. That's what the man says. It's not, I think he leaves it open. I think what I, the way I read that story is that I think 
Mantra is, is pointing to the hypocrisy which celebrates the martyrdom of, uh, of, of men and, and sort of necessarily uh, raises a different sets of issues when it comes to the courage and, and bravery of, of women. Uh, so I, I, I also see that. I think he was very sympathetic to women. I think the, yes. what's amazing is that, that he wrote with a very sympathetic eye. Uh, so he was, a, he, was a, he was a rebel. He was also a man who read situations with great sympathy and, 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 and made the readers understand people's points of views that perhaps they would miss out. So I think this is what he was able to do. He, was, he had a t- tremendous empathy. Um, his ability to empathize, I think, was what made him such a great writer. He also wrote these letters to Uncle Sam. He died in the mid-1950s. It was Cold War time, but it remembered probably here and there as a kind of safe and sound Eisenhower era of, of peace and prosperity between Korea and Vietnam. But even then, Manto, not long before he died, was, was on to something coming from the United States. Consumerism, maybe a military connection. And I think he anticipated Pakistani emigration to the United States too. I'm not so sure that he specifically anticipated that, but I do think that he, that didn't really matter. I think what he was anticipating is the the free flow of U.S. ideas and commodities to Pakistan. I think he's really talking about Mm. uh, the extent to which the U.S., um, is is influencing so many aspects of Pakistan, and he was he predicted rightly the the, the likely impact of the military alliance. Mm. Um, that's when he wrote the letters, and he's afraid that this would result in an even greater turn inwards in terms to, to, to towards Islamic sort of um, uh, conservatism. Yeah. At the same time, I think he's 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 he. he I mean, I don't see him alluding to, uh, to 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 immigration so much as the interconnectedness of the world. So there is a global um, conception when he talks mm. about the actresses and what impact they're making in Pakistan. <laughs> uh, so there's, I mean, it's, it's, these are they're extraordinary letters, of course. Um, uh, of course, partition was a bad career move for him. I mean, he was he had a big career as a screenwriter in in Bollywood when it was young. There was nothing to compare for money or world exposure in Lahore. How did that affect his judgment? Well, I think there were a variety of reasons for which he moved. I mean, at one level, uh, while there were opportunities in Bombay, he had become disheartened towards the end of his stint there because uh, he had been overlooked. His stories were overlooked uh, in by um, uh, Bombay talkies. Um, other people's stories were chosen, and he couldn't take that slight. Mm. But I think one of the very major reasons he moved, um, and I still have a question in my mind whether he moved with a view for a permanent... I mean, you know, you have to understand that a lot of people felt that they would keep coming and going back. It was never meant to be a permanent move. Uh, he moved for his family as well. My father wanted to marry my mother. Uh, and so his wife and daughter had left Bombay for Lahore, and he just joined them uh, uh, in January. Uh, because that marriage had to take place, and then the the wife didn't want to go back. Mm-hmm. So there were family personal reasons as well, combined with um, his sense of uh, being overlooked uh, or his stories being overlooked in Bombay talkies in terms of priority of, of filmmaking. So he wasn't too happy about that. It's stunning to come into your beautiful house in Lahore and see, first thing, that painting of two women which happens to be on the cover of the Penguin edition of the Manto Stories. Um, who are they? 
They, uh, they look like two... They are women from the red light area. Aha, uh-huh, okay. Uh, which is basically the, 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 the sort of main sort of hub of prostitution in the city. In the Manto stories, these ladies of the night look out for each other. Yes, absolutely. They're human like everybody else. And I think that's what he's trying to say, that first of all, what he finds absolutely unacceptable is for society to treat these people who, who service a very important need mm. uh, as, as, as fallen women. He finds that unacceptable. He thinks that society as a whole is nothing but exchange. Uh, so that is a kind of prostitution mm. as well. What is it but exchange? It's an exchange of services. And why are the prostitutes necessarily treated like this? So they are, necess- I mean, they, 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 they are not sort of born prostitutes. They're not fallen women. They, they, they are, they, they, so, so he, he really thinks that it's, it's, it's hypocritical. I mean, his, his famous sort of um, story is Hattak, the insult, uh, in which uh, the woman... Uh, uh, I mean, he, he, he shows that despite living this kind of life, she still is pure at heart. There is an innocence mm. in, her, in her. So he shows that, that you can't just sort of write off people because they're, they're in a certain profession. He keeps sort of repeating the point that just because I'm doing this profession, my profession is bad, but I'm good. I think the main point he's trying, to, much like, I mean, he reminds me of almost Robert Musil, and I don't know whether you've read his Man Without Qualities. Uh, Musburger, the... The, the rapist, who is a product of society. Mm-hmm. So Manto is writing in that kind of a vein, that society has to, instead of just condemning people, society must take responsibility for these people as well. That's what he's trying to show. Who do you connect him with, compare him to, in European and American fiction? Well, I mean, he is compared. I mean, he, of course, started off as a translator. So he read um, Victor Hugo. He read uh, uh, Tolstoy, Turgenev. uh, uh, He read uh, Dostoevsky. He was greatly uh, enamored of Guy de Maupassant. He's been likened to Maupassant. But I think it's also important to acknowledge that... um, uh, you know, he wasn't imitating um, uh, him so much uh, as, 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 as getting a sense of how the short story evolves. I mean, he mm. mastered the short story uh, through his translations. Uh, Zola, Chekhov. Uh, so he's Balzac? Pure. Balzac, absolutely. Balzac. Mm. So he has read all these, these, these people from, in English, obviously, and then he introduced them to the Urdu-speaking public. Manto lives, obviously... Not least in the fiction of people like Mohsin Hamid or Mohammed Hanif, for sure. He's adopted as a, as a name in, in one of the Hamid novels. Um, but of course, I want to know, WWMS, what would Manto say about Lahore today, about Pakistan, about the world? What would his may, letter to the United States say? A close reading of Manto's writings in the early 50s will say it all. I think he anticipated a lot that was happening in Pakistan, that is happening today in Pakistan. Some of the decisions not made, some of the roads not taken. Mm. I think those are what make Manto such a great asset for a historian like myself, uh, because he does give you an insight into the post-independence period uh, in ways which I don't think uh, uh, official records or uh, uh, you know, political narratives do. Count the ways, Aisha. Well, first of all, I mean, you know, he, he, he begins by asking some very salient questions about partition. Where is our humanity? Should we give up on humanity? What's happening? I mean, he asks you these questions. Where is, mm. What is this thing called conscience? So he asks some very key questions at a moment of a great rupture, at a moment of a major psychological 
um, uh, trauma. Uh, so beginning with that in the post, I mean, you know, he's remembered best for that. But I think in the post, the post-colonial moment, uh, some of the salient issues he asks. So now will the uh, literature that was written uh, before uh, India was divided, will that be divided too? What mm. will Pakistani literature be? Will it be different from India? What kind of films will Pakistan produce? So these are the questions that the man is asking. Mm. Uh, he's asking about America's role. Uh, uh, in, 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 and he says that, you're, you're, I mean, I'm sure that you're providing military aid to Pakistan for no other reasons than to arm the mullahs, uh, because the mullahs are the best antidote to Soviet communism. Mm. So he's saying all this facetiously, but when you look at it uh, with the benefit of hindsight, it's hard not to think of the 80s, almost, and what happened in terms of the arming of the mullah. He does seem to be asking, even in that story, it happened in 1919, a sort of, are we up to this? Are we... We, that he's always asking. He's saying, what has changed? I mean, okay, we've got this independence, but will this, in, this independence has come with so much bloodshed? Will things change? Will they be the same in the colonial era? And one of the first, I mean, some of, and he wrote a lot, he was tried for so many cases of obscenity under Section 292 of the Indian Penal Code, <laughs> both by the colonial state and by the post-colonial state. And he says, nothing has changed. It's the same law. I was tried before, I'm being tried again. So those are the things he also, he shows you the, the continuity as well. There is the rupture and then there's the continuity. On both of those, Manto is fantastic. And he's fantastic for me as a historian because I've done this work from different angles. Mm. But coming to this period, partition and post-colonial period, through the uh, work and um, uh, you know, uh, personality of Manto gives you a very insightful uh, understanding of what, what is happening in this period. When you mention Mato, even to Pakistanis, the first thing that comes up is that, oh, yeah, the guy who, who wrote dirty stuff or was prosecuted for, for pornography, there's nothing remotely prurient in any of these stories. The, the worst you could say about him is that he, he makes vice, human vice, human. That's right. He says it is human. I mean, it is part of you. Why do you, why do you turn your, your back to it? Try to change mm. it. He says he believes, I mean, you know, he believes that you can... You can I mean, there's this wonderful play of his and he wrote some excellent radio plays by the way and one of his best radio plays is uh, is called the pickpocket uh, and and it's about you know the, the the pickpocket with a good heart i mean you know he's a good hearted <laughs> pickpocket so they, these are his characters i mean he wrote about these criminals who are effectively good people better than many of the sort of people that you would think uh, d- deserve to be admired for their high moral values. So he's always doing this. He's making you question. He's making you question your premises. I think that is what makes Manto so uh, uh, important as a writer of the post-colonial moment because mm. there are many presumptions, many uh, attitudes towards independence which are not realized. Yeah. And he does, like other creative writers, bring attention to that. So many people observe that Pakistan, not alone, but is still in post-colonial mode. I mean, how would Pakistan today deal with deal with the sort of the post-colonial dimensions of their story even today? The fact, as Manto was writing in the in the nineteen fifties, that in so many ways, in terms of power in the society, things hadn't changed. This is an extension of the British Raj. Yes, because I mean, I mean, effectively, I think the the Mantu is awkward, is an awkward writer for those uh, uh, 
I mean, not just amongst uh, the, the conservative elements, but also the elites, the rulers that be. I mean, he was awkward even for uh, his so-called progressive friends who were associated with the Soviet Union because he was such an individualist and refused to uh, follow any party line. So he was not acceptable to them. They hailed him as a progressive and then they denounced him as a reactionary. So, so these things all happened with him. Uh, as, for, as for the Pakistanis and their post-colonial moment, I think... Uh, for them, the post-colonial moment was an endless sort of... I mean, for the, for the elite, it was, it was sort of an achievement. And they didn't like Manto's tendency and knack for constantly reminding them of uh, the, the uglier truths of society, the realities of society. He wrote about the awkward facts of society, facts towards which in this country today, when a lot of people want to... Uh, think in the conspiratorial mode, they imagine uh, a situation, Manto would be very difficult. That's why he's difficult even today. I mean, he is the hero of your fringe groups, the youth, um, and some very sophisticated uh, um, literary uh, uh, you know, people, for, 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 and, and I mean, not just literary people, also musicians, a lot of people respect him. But your average run-of-the-mill person probably is not able to appreciate him. Mm. Uh, but but Bantu but is extremely important, not just in Pakistan, but also in India. I mean, the, he, has a, he has an audience in both. And to any reader anywhere, I think, you pick him up and you're reading sketches from life. It's very, very direct. That's right. He, he wrote very accessibly. Uh, I mean, and, and that was a comment on the sheer command of the Urdu language that he had, that yeah. he was able to take the most complicated scenes, situations, and present them accessibly is in, in simple, direct Urdu. Uh, he was never superficial. He never sort of, uh, I mean, he, I mean, he, he tried, I mean, he brought in some very complex issues uh, in, in very simple Urdu. Aisha Jalal, it's a joy to meet you on your home ground and, and a special bonus to hear you talk about your great-granduncle, the immortal Sadat Hassan Manto. Thank you, Aisha well, Thank Jalal. you. Thank you for coming. Ben Mandelkern produced and edited this conversation in Lahore with the historian Aisha Jalal. Our series, Another Pakistan, is a co-production of the Watson Institute and the Asia Society. Zamine Ansari is our producer in Pakistan. Thanks also to Bina Sarwar of the Jung Media Group. The conversations continue from South Asia and also online. Listeners, please feed back your views, your Pakistan, with a comment on our website, radioopensource.org. I'm Christopher Leiden. Thank you for being part of the Open Source Conversation.